continue to look after, chase after you. For we just want to know more and more of you. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I love it when we can all come together and just praise the Lord. I think it's wonderful. It's wonderful. This morning, if you have a gift, if you have a tithe or an offering, you can put it in the offering box. And those of you that know, you can also give your tithe online. So one way or the other, we thank you. Let's just pray over the offering. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the gifts we receive in the storehouse. Lord, we give you all the honor, oh, glory, and praise as we give unto you with a grateful heart, just like you give unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This morning, we're going to continue on going deeper in the Lord. And you know, to keep your relationship with the Lord fresh and vital over the long haul, it's not something that's automatic. It requires forethought. It requires effort. It requires constant attention, like any other serious relationship. Those of you that have been in serious relationship, you know you just don't, boom, get married and you don't talk to each other ever again. <laughs> Although sometimes that might be a great idea. <laughs> but that's not the way it works. You want that relationship to be built. So it takes work and it takes things. The problem we have is we find ourselves as we get longer and longer into our Christian walk, becoming complacent with where we are. We become complacent with the life, with the routine. You know, we get up in the morning, we have our quiet time, if that's when you do it. You do your devotion, you pray, whatever your routine is with God. You go to church. And you give your tithe, you give your money, you give to missions, you, you just do it, but it all becomes so routine, it all becomes so ordinary that we get drifted into this complacency. When we do that, we kind of get away from chasing after more of God. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote in Philippians, he said that he had been a Christian when he wrote Philippians for about 25 years. So, you know, I mean, this wasn't, the epistles of Paul just didn't go, you know, he wrote one letter, next day he wrote another. I mean, there was time in there. So this took, was about 25 years into his Christian walk. And God had used him to perform many miracles, as you know. He had several encounters with the risen Lord. He was also caught up to the third heaven. But he didn't rest in those experiences. Imagine being caught up to the third heaven and not being satisfied with that, still wanting more. This is where Paul was. So he says that I may know him 
and the power of his resurrection. This is where Paul was still seeking. He wrote in Philippians 3, verse 12, he said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but he says, uh, but I press on that I may lay hold of what is in Christ Jesus who has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. And we tend to hear this story an awful lot. You know, forget yesterday. Yesterday's over. There's not a thing you can do about changing one thing that happened yesterday. And believe me, there's things I'd like to change about yes, but I can't. And Paul says the same thing. Yesterday I made a bit in the third heaven, but today I want more. So then he says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say we all should have the same attitude. We all need to fight against spiritual complacency. No matter where you are spiritually, you should desire to go deeper with God. I mean, God is infinite, infinite. He's infinite. We can always know him. There, there's no end to God. That's right. You're never going to know everything about God. So press on. Now, in order to go deeper, one of the things I found out is you need to have this, what they call, holy dissatisfaction. Like you're wholly dissatisfied with where you are. You need more. And there is a sense in which we should be content in the Lord. There are scriptures that talk about being content. Uh, for the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Peter writes, is it divine power has given us all things that pertain to life, godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to by his glory and virtue. And then in Ephesians 3.8, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach the gospel among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So, you know, there are scriptures that tell you be content with where you are. Find peace where you are. But there's also telling you to go deeper and more of God. Yes. So they're telling you to be content in the place you're at. Don't be discouraged by being there is really what they want you to know. So that you pursue more, mm -hmm. but you're not discouraged with where you are. Today we're going to look at a relationship that Moses developed with God. Moses said to God, 
Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Exodus 33:13. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. In verse 17, he says, So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. You have found grace in my sight. Can we stand up ourselves and pray to God, God, if I have found grace in your sight, do this with me, come with me here, and have the Lord respond the same way. Amen. It's a question you need to ask yourself. But here's the thing, Moses wasn't content with that. So he continued in verse 18. And he said, please, show me your glory. Show me your glory. This was not a prayer for material comforts. It wasn't a prayer for help. It wasn't a prayer for success in our ministries. It was a prayer to know God more deeply. Yes. You know, I'd really like to ask Moses, what more did you want? I mean, you're a man who talked with God at a burning bush. You saw God do mighty miracles in Egypt. You saw him part the Red Sea. You've seen manna and water come out of a rock. You saw God's glory when you and 70 elders of Israel went up to the mountain and ate and drank in God's presence. You spent 40 days quaking a cloud-covered mountain where you met personally with God and received the Ten Commandments. God often spoke to you in the face of meeting. Isn't that enough, Moses? Isn't that enough? And Moses replies, no. I want to see the glory of God in a deeper way. So in reply to Moses' request, the Lord in Exodus 33, 19 says this, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on who I will have compassion. Now in this context, the Lord's name refers to all that he is and all that he does. It's the sum of all his attributes and all his actions. But then the Lord qualified his reply. He said, you cannot see my face. 
where no man shall see and live. And then the Lord said, here is a place by me where you shall stand on a rock, so it shall be. While my glory passes by, I will put my, you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand as I pass by, and then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So the Lord promised to cover both Moses with his hand so that he would survive the experience. But he also promised to reveal his glory to him. I mean, shouldn't that be a prayer that we're uttering? God, show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. Moses asked to see God's glory. The Lord did not give him a vision of a throne room or the impression of the seraphim as he did in Isaiah 6. He didn't give him the impression of the four living creatures with the fire and the lightning and the spinning wheels as he did to Ezekiel. Rather, the Lord gave Moses a proposition statement about his attributes. And he says, okay, if you want to see me, you want to know me, you want to see my glory, I will show you some of my attributes, especially as they relate to saving sinners. I make myself and show you my goodness as I pass by. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Now, God's goodness is one of those attributes that underlies all that he is. I mean, the goodness of God, you sing about it all the time. You sing about the goodness of God. Do you know what you're singing about? I mean, do you know what these things mean? He is in his person and all that he does towards his creation. Out of his good essence flows action. The goodness of God is the perfection of God where he by delights in his work and is beneficial to them. He delights in this. Now there's another time that Moses met God, but this was different. It goes in Exodus 37, 33, verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose up. Each man stood by his tent door and watched Moses until he'd gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, a pillar of cloud descended 
and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Now, I'm bringing something up because you might get confused here. The Lord talked to Moses there, and it goes on to, to say, all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle of God. And all the people rose up and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp with several, but the servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Now, God is speaking to Moses face to face. But he just said, I'll let my glory pass by, but you can't see my face. There's a difference between the, just talking to God like you do in prayer, like you do at times, and then asking to see his glory. For his glory is something different than just a normal thing. And that's what they want to bring up here. You can't do that. But here's a man that sat and talked to God, just like Adam and Eve. And you look at the people of Israel. They all went to their own door of their tent. Most of them were afraid of God because they knew they had drifted away. And they were scared of what God might do to them. So they stand at their own tent, but they worship God. So they give God the respect he's due, the honor that he's due. They paid reverence to him, but they weren't going in that tent. That means some of them went up once in a while. It said the people had access there, but the, the pillar of cloud never came down. God's presence was never there. So he, here he is in the midst of God. And then he goes on and, and he wants God's glory. He's never satisfied with what he has. He always wants more of God. He says the people have reacted appropriately to the appearance of the pillar. Because when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship. The phrase worship is that they stood and they gave due respect, as I said before. When the Lord came to speak to Moses, the people responded with worship. But they could only worship from a distance at the entrance of their own tent. Couldn't go where the presence of the Lord was. And there's people today that will not come into a church because they're afraid. They know they're sinners. They, they can feel that when they come in, there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with being exposed, their sins becoming exposed. Now, they're not being exposed to you and me, but they're being exposed to God. But he already knows them. 
they have it thinking that way, that they're hiding things, they're staying back. You know you can't hide anything from God. He knows what you're doing right now. He knows exactly what you're thinking, what your thoughts are. He knows when you're doing this and when you're doing that. He knows when you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. So you can't hide. But that's what the Israelites felt like, that they could hide. There's no hiding from God. But this passage becomes a contrast between Moses' closeness with the Lord and the people of Israel's broken fellowship. And we have so many people out in this community, out in this area, that have broken relationships with God. And it's our job as a church to reach out and bring them into this house and restore that relationship, to teach them about Jesus, to allow them to grow in Christ. Because what happens? Our sin strains our relationship with God. It strains our intimacy with God. Now we've all sinned, we've all fallen short to glory of God. But repentance is turning away from that. Repentance is making a new path, taking the new way, going God's way. And when we do that, what does God say? I forgive your sins and I remember them no more. So they're gone. Just like we talked about yesterday being gone. Your sins are gone. So I compare the tent of meeting to what you might call your prayer closet, maybe your war room, the place where you and God have an intimate time together. You're seeking his face, you're seeking his wisdom, you're seeking his knowledge. Or maybe you have a question for God. Maybe you want to seek what is my what is your will for my life for? Steer me in the right direction, turn my path, set me down the way you want me to go. Sometimes our time with God is a, is a time of repentance and forgiveness. Sometimes it's intercession where we're praying for other people. Whatever your discussions with God are, he's there for you. He's there for you. And if you have favor in his sight, you will feel his presence. I mean, come on, most of you have prayer rooms. You have places where you just go and you're quiet with God. And have you not felt the presence of God there? Haven't you felt God right there with you? So to go deeper with God, you need to understand his abundant goodness. Goodness includes his compassion. Exodus 34, verse 6. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, 
forgiving the iniquity and the transgression and the sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is who God is. He's, he's going to punish the guilty, but he's going to forgive those that seek his repentance. But you know, unfortunately, Satan's always trying to get you to doubt God. I mean, isn't that what he did to Eve? She made him, he made her doubt God's goodness. He's trying to get you in the same way. Doubt is goodness. Don't trust in the Lord. This way you'll keep your distance because he wants to be close to God who is good. This is what we want. Satan doesn't want us there. Satan uses his tactic all the time. And if you're going through a different, difficult trial, he whispers to you, if God were really good, he wouldn't allow you to go through this. What kind of God would put his children through such a thing? Now somebody that's not strong in the faith, that's gonna make them weak. It's gonna make them weak. They're gonna, they're gonna falter if their faith isn't strong. That's why Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resisting him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I mean, we're all, we're all faced, every one of us has had difficult times. Some of you may have gone through more difficult times than I have, some of you may not, but we've all faced problems. We've all faced adversaries. And we've had to stay strong in our faith. God's goodness means he is slow to anger. He is patient. I mean, he doesn't yell at us every time we mess up. <laughs> Otherwise, there'd be nothing left of me. <laughs> it doesn't say that God's never angry. Scripture never says that. But it says he's slow to anger. But he doesn't say he's never angry. Many times the Bible uses God's anger burned up against his people. But it's only when they have repeatedly sinned after many warnings. Then God, you know, whatever. God's goodness also means that he is abounding in loving kindness. He's abounding in truth. Loving kindness means he's loyal, steadfast. He's everlasting. Truth may also mean his faithfulness. God is a standard of what is true. He never varies from his standard. God never changes. You know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know that he is a sovereign God. So to go deeper with God, you've got to understand 
is sovereign grace. Because God has grace. This was significant when God revealed this glimpse of his glory to Moses. The first thing he said is, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. He didn't say, as some think he said, I will be gracious to everyone and have compassion on everyone. He doesn't say that. Those that he will. Rather, the sovereign Lord gives grace to whom he wills, compassion to whom he wills. And this is the first important thing in knowing who the Lord is. You have to be in his sight. He has to know your name. He has to know who you are. His sovereign grace is all about his glory. Paul writes in Ephesians 13, In him whom you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. What's Paul saying? He said, it's us that have trusted in God. It's us who believed in God. It's us who has stood with God. We're filled with the promise. The Holy Spirit is upon us. And he guarantees our inheritance is the redemption. We're bought by the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen. We're covered in his blood. Yes. So one other thing, to go deeper with God, you need to understand his holiness and his forgiveness and his justice. The Lord said that he forgives the iniquity, the transgression, and the sin. And he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The Hebrew words transgression, iniquity, transgression, and sin, they all have slightly different meanings. These all don't mean the same thing. Iniquity means to turn aside from what is right. Transgression is more defiant in violating God's covenant. And sin becomes a general term for moral failure. Now this is the Hebrew, tra translating the Hebrew into English, and they come with transgression. But those words mean that they use, mean those things. So they're, when you see them, they're not all the same. They're three different things. And the Lord added up three terms to show no matter how great our sin may be. He said, his grace is greater. His grace is greater than anything you've ever done. Any sin you've ever committed. I mean, look at it. Yeah, he's forgiven Moses, a murderer, David, a murderer. I mean, 
to me, that's one of the greatest sins on the earth. And God forgives them. So the point of going deeper with God is not so we can know more theological stuff that we can think we're smart and we can brag about our knowledge. The point is that we will worship our sovereign God with a gracious more and more deep. It will be more deep in our worship. We understand who we're worshiping. Because when we come up here, when they come up here and they're singing and they're worshiping God, they understand just who they're worshiping and they're trying to carry that out to the congregation. That this God is gracious. This God is awesome. This God is everything. And that's the message you need to get. So no matter where you are with the Lord, make whatever changes you need to make in your schedule. Yes. So this week you begin the process of going deeper with God. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Some of you might want to make a commitment this morning that you're going to go deeper with God. That you're going to try to give God a little more time. Seek a little more of his face. Pursue a little bit more of him. And if that's your commitment this morning, then come down to the altar. We'll pray with you. We'll reinforce that belief that you want to go deeper and deeper with God. And if you have any other prayer need, no matter what it is, you need healing this morning, if you need some kind of breakthrough this morning, our, our God, it says, is a, is a compassionate God. And he will have compassion. And he will have mercy on those that he will have compassion on and those that he will have mercy on. So don't be afraid to come and ask God for what you need. But Lord, we need to go deeper.